This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. Welcome back to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. Brought to you with the Jazz FM Business Breakfast. And now available on iTunes and Android. Each week we reflect the stories that made the business and market headlines. As well as look forward to the week ahead. Well, this week I'm joined by Oanda Senior Market Analyst in Toronto, Alfonso Asparza. Good morning to you, Alfonso. Hello, Johnny. Glad to be here. Good to hear from you. Let's first reflect on the latest non-farm payroll figures, which were out a little earlier. U.S. employers adding a higher than expected 213,000 jobs last month. That is extending the U.S. economy's long-running growth streak. The manufacturing sector help power those gains, adding 36,000 jobs. But the retail sector shared 22,000 positions. How have markets reacted to those figures so far, Alfonso? Well, market reaction was a bit mixed. We'll get to the second part of why that is later on. But for the first part, the report was solid. The number of jobs increasing to continue to be high, so over 200,000. Uh, In this case, the wages were not as strong. It was a bit of a light setback, so it's 0.2% when 0.3% was expected. So that was a bit of a ding on the overall numbers. One thing that on the surface seems like a bad news, but it's actually good, is the unemployment rate actually went up to 4%. But the reason that is is because there are more people going into the labor force, which is what you want uh, overall. So it was a positive jobs report, but as uh, we'll get on later, it was not taken as such just because of the current trade conditions that are going on in the world. The dollar sort of responded, as you could expect, if if you hear that sort of uh, the trade disputes uh, escalating. So against the euro, it was like 117.20 about the time the NFP came out. Again, it was a positive jobs report, but it's coming in at a time where where there's bigger concerns that there's a bigger effect that could come with like going head to head with China, the EU, uh, and basically other trade partners. So right now it could potentially go to 118, uh, depending on what China does, because China has has said that they will not fire the first shot, but they will definitely uh, are not going to be take, taking this um, without any retribution. So there's the expectation that what is China is going to start uh, with their tariffs. They announced some, but uh, the full amount has not been uh, uh, announced and there'll be just uh, retaliating on uh, the first shot that was fired with the US. Yes, and that shot, of course, of the 25% levy coming into effect at midnight Washington time, $34 billion of US tariffs of Chinese goods coming into effect. That signals the start of uh, this much vaunted trade war between the world's two largest economies. And as you said, China has retaliated by imposing a, a similar tariff on 545 US products, also uh, worth a total of $34 billion. And Beijing has accused the US of uh, starting the largest trade war in economic history. It doesn't all go well, really, does it, Alfonso? All the ministers involved, like they're, they're trying to warn Trump about like the trade wars are not easy, they're not their beneficial that we've moved beyond beyond them. Like they, they used to work maybe when the world was a smaller place, but now that it's so interconnected, just uh, impeding one uh, or creating barriers, it just slows down your own economy. And that's, that's the warning that uh, the Trump administration has not really taken to heart, but it's something that will 
will be seen in, in, in the midterms as uh, most people sort of vote with this in mind, just like this is something that the White House did unilaterally against uh, the wishes of most uh, industries based in the U.S. And these figures and uh, this uh, new era of tariffs follows the U.S. Fed's minutes, which were released on Thursday from its uh, June monetary policy meeting. And conversely, there was an optimistic tone uh, that came out of those minutes and the possibility of uh, two more rate hikes this year remain fairly high, despite the central bank also warning about the trade tension. So it's, it's quite a confusing picture, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a, it's a right uh, reflection of what's going on. It's the just saying that the economy is solid, pointing to employment, pointing to sort of overall growth, but there's a trade war looming and the Fed cannot really do anything. It's not necessarily their area of expertise. They just deal with whatever results uh, come out. But they're just saying that everything could change based on that. But currently we're, we're in a good pace. We're uh, basically on the same road to deliver two rate hikes, potentially September and December, as has been promised and talked about uh, by Fed members. So that has been fully priced in into the price of the dollar. So that's why we're not seeing any sort of a strong reaction from the currencies just because, yes, it's it's something that the Fed has been talking up since last year or middle last year. And now the market actually does believe it um, because we've seen sort of a, a, a rate hike every time there's a, a big FOMC with a press conference after it. So basically we'll, we're expecting that for September and then December. What about this side of the pond over in the UK, Alfonso? It's a very big weekend uh, for us here in the United Kingdom. And I'm not talking about England in the World Cup quarterfinals. Of course, <laughs> it's the, the meeting of Theresa May's cabinet to attempt, and I say that with a big A for attempt, to agree uh, a deal or a compromise amongst themselves on Brexit. That's the easy bit. It's once we get to the EU, it's going to get even harder. In terms of markets globally, how interested are they in Theresa May meeting her cabinet at Chequers this weekend? It's a big event. So if you would have told me about uh, England and, and pen winning penalty shootouts, I'd probably be sceptical, but probably not. I mean, anything could happen in penalty shootouts. So I, I would have given uh, England the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I think uh, Theresa May enters a much more daunting task this weekend. Uh, just as uh, she's about to, so trying to uh, advocate for a softer Brexit when all the signs point that that's not uh, what the large groups of her party want to do. So they, they're they're more about sort of a, a, a harder Brexit with more defined borders. And basically, try, even if it means losing some of the access to the single market, they it, it frees them to seek uh, partnerships outside, be it with the U.S. or potentially Asia. But uh, that, that's, that's the task that uh, she's faced with. And she is uh, going to argue for a softer Brexit. And a lot of what happens this weekend is going to affect how the PAM does and even the, the future or the expectations of the uh, UK economy. If anybody would want England to do well in the World Cup and maybe even win it, it would be Theresa May, because that would surely uh, divert attention away from the real deal, which is Brexit, as opposed to the fantasy of the World Cup and football. Yes, no, nobody wants uh, to uh, sort of uh, wake up from that dream. So that, that would be <laughs> sort of a double whammy back-to-back. Uh, -back. Yes, it, it has happened before. But, I mean, in, in all seriousness, politically, um, 
success for sport uh, for England uh, has been used in the past. And famously in the 60s, Harold Wilson uh, said, perhaps half jokingly, that England uh, won when they won the World Cup in 66, that won Labour uh, the election. So maybe it is more important that we uh, that than we think and also would be a boost for the economy. Uh, we've already seen an uplift uh, in sales uh, over the last few weeks because of the World Cup and because of the hot weather that we've been having in the UK. But in all seriousness, uh, Theresa May uh, does need a bit of good news because you just can't see her way out of this conundrum, can you? No, it's going to be a very difficult sell, as I mentioned before. And just a, a note on the World Cup, it's sort of a national, uh, sports a national team representing the country. So, of course, it's going to unite people. And I think that's what's needed at this point in time not only in the soccer pitch, but also out of it. And it's, uh, it's so back home, it's about uh, unity and trying to do the best for the team. In this case, uh, Theresa May, as the, the manager, she's basically saying, she's trying to sell this idea that, uh, yes, we're not going back on, on, on our world, we're, we're definitely going to, going to exit the European Union, but we don't have to do a sort of a hard Brexit. This, is sort of, this will be the best for current generations and future generations, but uh, the Eurosceptics, they just want a clean break. And, and so both outcomes cannot happen at the same time. So each is going to argue for the benefits and, for, and cons of each. We had some other figures as well regarding UK productivity, which shrunk in the first quarter of the year and continues to lag. Uh, this is a big problem for the UK, isn't it? Uh, productivity has always been a very hard puzzle to solve. Uh, I think in that regard, Canada also shares the sort of that enigma of why Canadian productivity is so low. I mean, uh, for the in the UK in this particular time, there's a, a lot of sort of a pre-Brexit uh, factors that are, are not helping uh, investment or even telegraphing the lack of investment in the future. Uh, that's that's something that's been done by a lot of firms that they're they're sp- explicitly said that they're not going to be uh, basing the headquarters or they're going to pull back current productivity and will impact going down as Brexit becomes more of a reality. Well, there are some people who are suggesting one of the big problems regarding productivity comes out of people's obsession with social media and they're just not working hard enough because they're too diverted when they're at work. Productivity is one of those things that it's really hard to measure what is like working hard versus working smart, working longer hours. Japan has always been sort of the, the pinnacle of like what happens when you go over the top, like when is being in the office 100 hours a week, does that actually result in higher productivity? And the answer is no. I think, yes, people are filling in their social media or their time with social media, but I think it's just because they don't have the right things to work on at the specific time. So I think it's really hard for employers even to provide that because they, they know there's, that all businesses suffer, there's lags, that there's not a lot to do, and they haven't been filled in creatively how to create opportunities in those moments. So social media, it's a filler. Uh, it is taking over all of our free time, which is just another issue for another discussion. But it, it's also, it's more of a symptom of what's happening. It's like there's not enough uh, things keeping people engaged in their jobs. Productivity is going to suffer. Let's talk about next week now, Alfonso, and the data that we're expecting. I know there's some uh, UK GDP and manufacturing production data and uh, possibility of a rate decision for Canada. Uh, yes, I think for uh, in terms of central banks, that would be the big one. Uh, the Bank of Canada 
is facing uh, some pressures on the growth side. There's not a lot of the Canadian economy recovered. Uh, GDP monthly GDP was better than expected uh, this month, but it has come off uh, sort of a, a bit of a slowdown. So that's something that will be in the back of uh, Governor Paulus. Oil prices are back up, so that's giving sort of the loony and even the economy a bit of a boost. But there remains a lot of uh, question marks back to trade on what happens with the North American free trade agreement. How serious is the Trump administration on not negotiating or maybe just pushing it to after the midterms, which would pretty much make it a non-event for the rest of the year. So that all those would be good. But again, it's uncertainty. And there's also the gap between the U.S. interest rates and the Canadian interest rates. So in order to close that gap, the Bank of Canada has to uh, hike rates at, at least 25 basis points. I think at this point, the majority or even it's priced in 70 to 80 percent that it, it will happen on Wednesday, July 11th. But is uh, that's something that will be on the, on the radar for this week. The UK, the GDP and manufacturing is something that has been underperforming. There's some manufacturing production good news in the horizon. The forecast is for a 1% uh, raise uh, after like, losing 1.5 last month. So all those could, could help the pound at this moment. It's just, uh, I think this will be sort of a secondary to what happens over the weekend. The Brexit news is gonna be, is gonna overrun any sort of economic indicators, just again, because we were talking about something that is more of a leading indicator. What's happened? What type of Brexit are we gonna get, as opposed to what happened last month in, in manufacturing? There's also uh, U.S. inflation data to finish the week, so we'll see how the U.S. Uh, is sort of performing in that case. The the Fed did mention uh, things about inflation. They don't want to let the economy run too hot. There might be pumping the brakes after those two extra rate hikes uh, this year, and just again, they don't want to fall back into a recession too quickly or just. Uh, sort of impede the progress of the economy. So that's something that uh, we will see on Thursday. On the economic indicator releases, it's not going to be too much a busy week. We'll see more on the politics side. So the geopolitical answer to sort of the trade tariffs, uh, if there's something from the White House, some conciliatory tone, we'll also be looking at the sort of the Brexit outcome from this weekend and what happens going forward. Alfonso, thank you very much for joining us today. Have a very good week, and we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, Johnny. Alfonso Esparza, Senior Market Analyst in Toronto. And don't forget, you can also listen to this podcast on iTunes and Android. Have a great week. the Oanda podcast from the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am, listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.